here live on Radio Row, Super Bowl 43. We're in Tampa, one of my thrills every year, and it seems like this guy's such a football fan. But this year, Nils Lofgren, the E Street Band, and of course, aided by Bruce Springsteen, uh, are going to be part of the act this year. And uh, Nils is back with us. And, you know, these conversations, Nils, could go on for hours and hours, especially if Scotty P were here. You know how that goes. But uh, I asked Bruce the question yesterday, one of the biggest thrills that I've had, and really in journalism, to have a press pass, to be able to ask Bruce a question. And I, I labored on what question to ask, and I think I did okay. You know, why here, why not? You're in the freaking band. Did you ever think that Bruce would agree to this, to play halftime of the Super Bowl? No. You know, I've been in the band 25 years, coming up on our 25th anniversary for me and Patty. He's been saying no since 1975 to the Super Bowl. And we just always took it for granted because of the corporate nature and TV. None of us love doing TV. You edit your songs, whether it's Letterman from four and a half minutes down to three and a half. Bruce is very gracious about it. He doesn't buck the system. He's like, okay, that's what they need. We'll give it to him. But he's always said no. And uh, last year we were rehearsing for Magic. I remember uh, I was messing with my foot pedals, trying to work out something, making a racket. People start yelling at me, shut up, shut up. Bruce doing an interview. He's off in the back of Convention Hall. And, I'm and like, you're in Atlantic City or, no, uh, so the point is, Bruce works his tail off doing press to promote records. So next thing I know, we're all on stage looking at him going, Bruce, we've got a new record called Magic. Uh, you're doing busting your ass doing press. And we just saw Tom Petty play for 150 million people. Fabulous job. And you turned him down. You turned him down. We were looking at him, and he knew. He knew. He was like, yeah, that was really great. You could see him going, man, you know, I'm, I'm busting my tail doing press. I got a great new album, and I just turned down playing for 150 million people. And I think that performance, and it, was, it was just good nature. We all know how to poke fun at ourselves. But I think between that and obviously a new record this year, which is amazing, it got done while we were on the road. He decided, you know, look, I'm working hard to do press. It's time to say yes and, you know, navigate the corporate aspect of it. And, you know, he's, I think, the greatest band leader around. So he, I guess he decided to challenge himself. Thank God, and we're here. So a press conference yesterday we got to be a part of. Don't let me behind a curtain too much, because we all know you're right. I don't want to compromise your relationship, but it's not the most comfortable thing for Bruce to do. But it seemed to me, if you know Bruce like I know Bruce, just from the, the fan side, it was almost like he was holding court and being the entertainer yesterday. And someone said to me, well, he seemed awkward up there. I'm like, he seems awkward after 35 years on stage talking to the crowd sometimes, because I think he's an introvert who pretends to be an extrovert to some degree. Like, you know him way better than I do. But behind closed doors, I don't think he's Mr. Entertainment. I think he's a, probably a pretty serious guy, right? Uh, he's... He's soft-spoken, but he's not introverted. I mean, he's very... Uh, Self-deprecating. I, I think he yes, definitely is Humorously self-deprecating. Listen, one of the great things about being a singer is you know what the words are. Anytime, you know, it, then, then he'll challenge himself. He's a great storyteller, but in his own environment. On stage, three hours, my show. You know what? I got a story about my history or my band's history. But it's on completely on his own terms in his own world. Sitting there in front of 800 people with your whole band lined up, of course it's a little awkward. I mean, of course we're all like, and everyone's, you know, let's face it, the nature of press in the last 20 years, nobody wants the pretty picture. Everybody wants the ugly. Everybody wants the controversy. So to walk out there, I thought it actually went really well. I thought you asked a great question. And I, I regret not um, piping in because I got some great boost stories specific to the Super Bowl. Um, 
which I didn't share, but one, one great one is uh, a few tours. I mean, I used to do music for the All Madden team. CD called Tough Stuff, best of the All Madden team band. It's out now on nilslawfirm.com, by the way. And uh, if you look on the back, John Madden was kind enough to put some Maddenisms inside the music. Some of his favorite football experiences. That kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Speed kills. <laughs> now that's a football hit. That's why we played a game. You know, no, it's, it's great. Um, and I actually played a private party for John Tuesday night, sat with the band. He's a dear old friend now for a quarter of a century also. But what I realized was uh, my wife Amy, God bless her, dragged John to a show in Chicago with the East Street Band. Because I kept saying, John, Bruce is the all Madden singer. He's the rough, He's the lunch pail. He'd be an all Madden and, band performer. You know, sure. John, John's busy during the season. He happened to be in Chicago where he holds up in the Midwest while we were. Nice lunch. He was like, I left to go to a sound check. Like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. You know, don't disrespect. My wife Amy talked him into it, brought him to the show. He had a ball. But before the show, he went in and hung out with Bruce for 20 minutes, half an hour. And he came out. I'll never forget. He said, Look, he talked to me and my wife. Said, I just thought, I felt like I was visiting with a Hall of Fame quarterback on the eve of the Super Bowl. And he, I was like, wow, that was his take. Because Bruce likes to be alone, real calm and quiet before the storm. And it reminded me that in the East Street Band, really every night, what we're playing for us is like a Super Bowl for a hometown crowd. On top of that, we're guaranteed to win. We're just working on the point spread. And it's so foreign, because these great athletes, half of them got to lose. That's rough. We're just working on a point spread. We never lose. And that makes my job extraordinary. Well, the East Street Band going back out on the road, another album, another tour, and I think the wonderful thing being a Bruce fan, you know, uh, and they said yesterday, just living through it, you guys lost Danny on the last tour, it had to have been just a devastating thing, and I think maybe you take stock and say, how much longer can we do this? Well, let's find out. Let's find out how much more great music we have. Let's find out how many more people we can inspire, and, you know, from the, the back end of 9-11 to the rising, to magic and the political corruption, the problems with Bush, to moving on now to this new feeling of hope, and we'll all see how that turns out with Barack Obama. Uh, Bruce has been political without having to stand on a, on a soapbox and still make this kind of music that thousands, if not millions, of people all over the world. I mean, I'll never forget being in Spain that night and seeing 100,000 people that don't know a word of English all singing Born to Run. I mean, it's just, and you, you've been on the stage. I mean, you must be amazed by what you see because I don't think American audiences can even appreciate what goes on in Italy and Spain yeah. when Bruce hits the stage in these places. I saw you too in South America. I mean, I don't know how big Bruce would be if he were to play in Rio I or something. Oh. Find out, Master. I wish oh. we could find out. And you know, my wife's from Jersey. She's a West Orange. So I'm an honorary New Jersey. I've been up and down that turnpike more than anyone who lives there. And um, you know, really, all my Jersey friends are like, yeah, well, why go to Europe? You know, we're a much better crowd. And I'm like, no, dude, no, no, I'm, no, no. I'm so sorry, but I got to tell you, you don't even rate compared to some of the crowds in Europe. They look at me in shock and they're pissed off at me. And you know what? Everyone who gets to Europe looks at me and goes, man, I'm sorry. You're right. You know, in, in America, and I get it. You know what it is? It, I think part of it is we're in such a rat race in America that when you go to a Bruce show, let's say you're from Germany. I'm worn out by 9 o'clock at night. <laughs> But it's also like the biggest part of the year for you. So it's like your high school reunion. It's your college guys. You're cramming so much into that one night. So every slow song, there's 3,000 guys running for a beer and a piss. In Europe, nobody wants to miss a note. They're standing in there. They're not going anywhere. And that's the difference. They, they take it easier over there in general. They take months off. It's like they're going to hear every note Bruce presents. In America, you're trying to cram four parties into one.
one night, and I get it because you're so stressed out. I, that's just my theory. But yes, Europe is an amazing place. Nothing against the audience in the States. It's all great, but um, there's a kind of a reverence and appreciation over there because I think they live a little bit easier pace. Nils Lofgren. Does that embarrass you when Bruce, Bruce always refers to you as the great Nils Lofgren? I just think that's cool. Well, you must think that's cool. I'm grateful. You know, I, I've been uh, on the road 40 years since last September. Never had a hit record. Keep making music. In the last 15 years, I parted ways with the music industry. I have a website. A lot of free stuff. Always putting out music. NilsLofgren.com. But, um, you know, you make music to share. So never having a big, massive hit. You get a little like... Listen, in 82, I went to get another record deal. In 82, record companies said, no, so we love you, you're talented, you're a dinosaur. You don't make as money, there's no work for you here. I mean, that was frightening. A year later, Bruce says, you belong in my band. So obviously, uh, I'm very grateful, and it keeps me uh, having, it helps me have a more level head and heart about my place in the music industry and reminds me it's really about what happens on stage in front of an audience, not what, what an executive thinks. Look, I saw the Eagles last night here in town, and I looked down, and to me, Timothy B. Schmidt and Joe Walsh are the Eagles, but they're not Bernie Ledden, and they're not, you know, they're not Randy Meisner, you know, right. and for you to have been the, now in the band almost 30 years, but you're the new kid on the block to some degree, what was that, that must have been really strange, because when you joined the band, you replaced Steven, and, you know, I mean, Steven was an institution in the band, and Steven comes back, from the outside, that almost feels awkward, but you guys have become fast friends, and have lasted 30 years together, it's, it's really really kind of an it's one of the things that makes Eastry so special. Well, one of the reasons it worked, I've been on the road since 68. I grew up being someone who loves to be in front of an audience. It's my favorite thing to do. I love it as much as Bruce or anybody else. I often look at Bruce and go, you know, you might be the only guy up here who might be having as much fun as me. Maybe. Uh, so knowing that that's my forte is live, and I've been on the road as long as any of those guys. In fact, in the bar, sometimes even harder to pull off, so I'm good at it, and I felt like even though Bruce and Steve, unfortunately for me, waited till the last minute to face the music, and he needed a guitar player a month before opening night of the Born USA tour, I felt like, well, I love the guy, I love the music, nobody's going to do it better than me, and nobody's going to have any more time. I'm qualified, I'm right? qualified, I belong here, so if it feels right for Bruce, I'll just bust my ass and make the best of it. You know, it was really 20 shows in, opening night of a 10-night stand at the uh, Meadowlands. I walked out that night going, I had a new level of comfort that I did not have the first 20 shows. It wasn't for lack of help from Bruce and the guys, or lack of, I banned all music 24-7. All I did was wake up with the boombox and play Bruce. But you can only absorb so much of that history in, in you know, one short month. And uh, 20 shows in, it was a whole new ballgame for me. See you later, Nils. It didn't go that way. No, Bruce wouldn't. Bruce, Bruce is about being in a team of musicians. He would never do that to somebody. You know, in fact, he called me in 99. I said, you know, I don't know if it's going to happen, Nils. But after, what, 88, 11 years? Right. I was off doing my solo Because he went out with the other band with Lucky yeah. Town and all that stuff. I was shocked and, and very thrilled when he said, look, I'm going to talk to everybody. We may, I may want to put the band back together. I don't really want to do it if everybody can't be there, and that includes Steve. You know, I said, great, man. You know, Steve's up for coming back. Love to have him. Never was a thought. Did you know Steve? Yeah, well, see, I used to, yes. Okay. But, but in this fashion, I was going to buy tickets to see those guys in 74 and 75 and at the Roxy in L.A. 
them a lot as a fan. I'd go backstage. Bruce was always gracious. His band Steel Mill and my band Grin met each other in 1970 on an audition night for Bill Grant. So you knew West. each other as kids? Yes. And, we, and well, you knew not all kids, the guys in the band? Young 20-something guys. That's kids now. <laughs> what I would do is meet the guys in the band. They were always friendly. They knew I was doing the same thing. We'd been in the same bars, in the same circuit, in the same studios. Then they moved into the sports arenas after Born to Run. But I kept going to see them, kept being friendly, was a big fan. And honestly, man, I love going up to Bruce's mic and singing Prove It All Night with Bruce. That's a ball. But I, bet it is. I prefer, I prefer playing my giant rhythm acoustic guitar, becoming like a big shaker inside Max's hi-hat. I prefer hearing Bruce, I'm Bruce and Steve. But you know what? That's the record I fell in love with. It's like Mick and Keith. Bruce and Steve got that raw, rough rock duet like nobody else except Mick and Keith. And honestly, I missed it. Happy to do it, but it was great to have Steve back, especially not only his musicianship and his crazy personality, but that voice, him and Bruce, they got going. Two of them doing two hearts. No, here from the E Street Band, of course, Bruce doing the half the thing. I almost feel warranted in spending lots of extra time with you today because you are part of the Super Bowl this year. Now, run me through that from your perspective. You've done it all, been around the world, you played the smallest dive bars to the biggest stadiums in the world, all over the world. It's pretty cool. I mean, you're, you're going to go out there and feel that energy that it's halftime at the Super Bowl, the lights are going to come on, and more people are going to be seeing you at that moment than have ever seen you. Not to put too much pressure on you, Neil, and not that you need pressure, but I guess the, the big secret now is what's the set list? Do you, can you sit here right now and know what, because you never know on any night, because Bruce is known to call audibles, right. as we call them, and every time I meet Nils before a show, he's like, I got homework, man. We're doing a song we haven't done in 23 years tonight. Bruce wants to do something off the river, and I got to learn it again. And that's what I know about. <laughs> Forget the audibles that I don't know. When Joe Grishecki comes on the stage in Pittsburgh and Bruce calls out something, oh, I've seen you on those nights, and it's almost like Bruce is toying with you guys to see whether you can fake it and get through it. Yeah, well, what it is, he's not toying with us. What he's doing is taking liberties, and because he knows even though he was doing something in a different, maybe he was in Steel Mill in 1970 and I was in Grin, but we were both, we both grew up listening to the animals, the kinks, the yardbirds, the stones, the beetles, and he knows if he calls some obscure song from 67 and goes off and counts it off, most of his 10 guys are going to be able to follow. That, you can't find a team like that in music. I think what it is, accidentally he started pulling signs out of the audience the last three or four months. Next thing you know, there's a pile on the floor. He's rifling through it like the college kid looking for the one clean shirt in the dirty laundry pile. And he starts holding up signs. And I, I want to do that one. I want to do accidentally, <laughs> to challenge himself, he found himself doing a complete audible night, but insisting it didn't lose the momentum, the emotional momentum that is his signature. And that, as a band leader, no one's ever done. And to do it for three straight months, I mean, I used to laugh. I said, don't give me a set list. It's useless. It used to, it used to be, here's a set list, and there's going to be five audibles, and I won't know what they are till the end of the night. Got it. But now, it's like, on the way to the stage, he's changing the first song. And I was like, I don't even need the set list anymore. So um, to challenge himself and us like that uh, was an amazing thing, and that's where we left it. That's where we ended respect to the Eagles last night. They were amazing. You pay a lot of money. You go. You hear the songs. But it's the same thing every night. And I'm a big Rush fan. See, I'm, I'm almost giving up on these bands. I'm 40. I've been seeing them since 1978, all of them. I've 
almost given up on some of them because if I can write the set list or check last night and know exactly what I'm going to see, you know, once you've seen it once, you don't want to see it again. And I always know that every Bruce fan feels this way. Is tonight going to get, am I going to get Jungle Land tonight? Am I going to get Candy's Room tonight? Am I going to get, uh, you know, Spirit of the Night tonight? And, and the beauty of and that's what gets me going. Bruce can't even tell you until the end of the night what you're going to get. Because he doesn't even know. Because he gets inspired and he gets creative ideas from the energy of the audience. And he's got a band that he can change everything up and know we can pull it off. So he doesn't even have to worry about what the night's going to be until he gets out there. And that's amazing. Speaking of the Eagles, my buddy Joe Walsh, who just got married to a great girl, um, Marjorie Bach, who is Ringo's sister-in-law. Just nobody sings like that live. Nobody. But I agree with you. My buddy Joe Walsh, who brings the fire and can just step out, and he's the only guy that really is trying to mix it up and shake it up. And I know that, and this is personal. I mean, Don Henley, Glenn Fry, God, God bless them. They like to keep things like tight and, and identical, and Joe keeps wanting to mix it up and bring the fire. And as a band leader, I would prefer if they give him more rope and say, Go, Joe. It up. But that's a personal choice. That's what I love about Bruce because we're all about improv and just taking the energy of the crowd and making each night completely unique. But that's what makes it fun and keeps it interesting for all of you that it's not a Broadway production, it's a garage band performing some nights for 15 or 20,000, some nights for 120,000. And, and there's nothing against those shows. I go see uh, the Cirque du Soleil shows in Vegas, the greatest shows on earth. Some people like going to Vegas and seeing the show that's the identical show, and that's okay. There's an audience for that. I like the rough stuff. I like what Bruce does. That's why I love being in the band. I think as a musician for you guys, there is a, a challenge aspect to being in the E Street Band that's really unprecedented. I mean, I have friends of mine who don't, haven't seen, we're chatting with Nils Lofgren, by the way, if you just joined us, and you go to a show and you can see that it's real work for you guys in a way that you want to be a working band. You don't want it to just be, all right, well, let's just you know go out and play Born to Run again like we did the last 10,000 times, that there's more in it for you as a musician, and that's what keeps Bruce vital at 60 and making new music, that it's not a greatest hits tour, and it's not, we're just going to mail it in. What people don't realize, they, they often say, hey, don't you get tired of playing Badlands every night? It's the same guitar parts. No, it's not. If you isolate my guitar part, every night I'm playing different rhythms. My hits are completely different. It feels the same. It feels right. But that's the freedom I get from Bruce, and that's why I love the band, is because I know if I hear some different piano lick from Roy, I can react to it, and I, my love of the song and my gift for this kind of music, I can change my parts on the fly, and it's still going to feel right for Bruce. So it's not the same Badlands ever. For me, it just feels that way to the audience, and it's supposed to feel right. All right, back to Bruce one second, and we'll... Obviously, you have a kinship, a friendship, your soulmates, bandmates, all that. He is the boss. It's his band. You're a part of it. I just think over the last 10 years, no one would have predicted. You know, he kind of went into a little bit of a shell where he was just doing the acoustic thing. And even recently, he was doing that stuff. I remember him a couple years ago that there would ever be this kind of tour again and this kind of vitality and energy. And for him to stand up in front of the media yesterday at a Super Bowl event and say, we're playing the best music of our career, agreed, agreed. I mean, I've been seeing the band for 25 years. No doubt about it. And you all 
obviously feel that, and I think it's almost like a football team that gets on a roll. Kurt Warner right now thinks he's unstoppable, but he remembers his slump and remembers when the world wasn't thinking so great of him. But Bruce obviously is just feeling it right now, and I think that that's just a wonderful thing to see anybody who's the greatest in the world at what they do. Michael Jordan trying to win a six. He won six. He, he came back to Washington to try to win a seventh. Who does that? I mean, it's only special people that it's easy to coast, especially when you have money, you have fame, you have success. But it's Dr. J says, you, know, you challenge yourself when nobody's watching. And I think Bruce does that. And that, that's just, it's, it's inspiring for me as, as a bit of an artist doing what I do and an entrepreneur to get up every day and, and say, I'm, I'm going to be great. What I did yesterday, last week, last month, doesn't matter. It's what I'm going to do today. It's going to affect tomorrow and how I feel about myself and how other people feel about me. Well, just to share some detail on what you mentioned Bruce said, I think what, what happened is he looked around this last tour and went, wait a minute, I, I just we just buried Danny. Clarence has got like two fake hips and he needs two knees. Nils is going in for two new hips at the end of this because he's beating himself up. We got ice. We're like a mash unit off stage. Ice packed. I'm not throwing in all my pockets. It's like all a football training room. And, but, but I think he went, wait a minute. On stage, I'm not doing three months of complete improv shows. We're the best we've ever been. I'm singing my ass off. And I'm writing more songs. And people are loving it more than they've ever loved it. And he is the caretaker of that band. He created it. So I think now he's realized, you know, wait a minute. I almost got a whole album done. Why don't I challenge myself and my band to put a record out sooner than we ever have, get back on the road sooner than we ever have as a street band, and, you know, the hell with the age, we're playing our best right now, let's keep it rolling, and uh, God bless him, I think it's the right call. I know it must wear you out, but it also must be just an incredible joy, in a lot of ways. It is, but you know what, the thing is, you wake up in the morning, whether you're, you know, jet lagged or whatever, you wake up realizing Bruce is going to go out there that night. He doesn't have off nights. They're different every night. He doesn't have off nights. And to know, whatever, your quarterback is going to, like, hit 90% of his passes, you're going to win the game, and you're just working on the point spread, how hard is it to get excited to do your job? I go every day at 2 o'clock. I get there three hours ahead of Bruce and the band because it's so this beautiful chaos when he shows up and I do what he needs. You know, here's some songs, learn them. Here's some ideas. I go over them with some of the guys. So I like to have three hours to myself to just ease into that. Are you the band leader then? No, 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 no. man. I'm just the new guy with the big notebooks and the homework charts, you know. But you are the guy that keeps the homework charts sort of Well, sort of yeah, I mean, it was survival. When I got in the band, I got these friggin' notebooks. I ought to have them bronze. They're hilarious. Bruce even laughs about them. These giant pages with, with the chords, what mic to sing on, harmony parts, where you stand. I mean, every tour we get moved around. And uh, so I have that information. So when Bruce says, uh, what, what were we doing two tours ago? None of us remember because we change songs all the time. I got all these bootleg tapes and my charts, and we look them up and go, oh, yeah, that's what we were doing. It's just a function of a survival. When I got in the band, I still have those things, and I've been obviously built on it over the last few records out there doing that it makes it easy to do whatever you need to do rest food gym i gotta stretch this part of my body whatever it is you know by eight o'clock that night whatever you, the more prepared you are to just shut your mind off and react with 
your instincts, which are good for this band. Bruce will lead you around, keep your eye on him, follow him, and it'll be a magic night. I guess that's exactly what I was talking about. No other band has an offensive coordinator, in your case, with these tunes of information. <laughs> I mean, you know, no disrespect to the Eagles, but they know the songs, they go out and they play them. They, they don't want to work that hard anymore, and you guys challenge yourself to work hard, and I yeah, think that well, that's, you know, I, I, that's cool. No disrespect. To challenge yourself every night to sing five-part harmonies perfectly for three hours is not easy. Oh, okay, I agree with I, that. I prefer the challenge of not even know, knowing where the set's going to go, but knowing you got a guy that can improv the whole three hours and have it blow up into this massive best night of my life for the audience. And when it breaks down, it's still fun. Oh, man. When it goes wrong, Bruce will chuckle at himself, make fun of himself, make fun of you guys, and say, ah, we, we stopped the song, let's start it over again, we screwed that up. Do you know, you know, I've seen him do all that stuff But he's, he's such a great pro, like a lot of band leaders, James Brown, Buddy Rich, they find their guys on stage, they shame them in front of the audience. That's a downer, man. I don't care. If you're in an audience and you some, see some guy get cranky, that's a downer. I don't care how good he sings. I'm bummed out now. Right. I, I used to bring you something for Van Morrison. Once in Boston, he, he like stalked off stage in the middle of the night because some guy in the audience yelled out something he didn't like. He left his band out there for 10 minutes. He wouldn't come back. Ruined the whole vibe of the night. Now he's Van Morrison. He comes back out. He walked right off and passed me because I was on the side of the stage. Somehow, Tupelo hunting. He picks it back in, sings his ass off, pulled it out. But for 10 minutes, the whole room went to hell and it was not cool. Bruce has a sense of humor enough to know that, all right, I challenged my band. We fell on our face. I'm not happy, but I'm going to laugh at all of us, stop the whole thing, share the joke with the audience, and count it off again. Usually the second time we get it right. He's got a good sense of keeping everyone uplifted, and that's very rare. Well, tour starts in uh, four and a half weeks or whatever it is. Really? Damn, I've been practicing. <laughs> Hell. Get the tombs and the books and the gold thing out and all that. It's great to see you, man. We'll be watching at halftime on Sunday. Uh, do you know what you're playing? I, I went back to and I never pinned you down on that. Do you? Is it 12 minutes? How many minutes it, you get? It doesn't matter. I, I knew what we were playing for 12 minutes yesterday. Who knows? Maybe Bruce would call some audibles. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, he's been doing it for uh, you know eight months now. So how many songs can you do in 12 minutes? Three to five. That's it. You got to chop them up. I, you are chopping them up. Then, well, you sure. have to. I, I mean, 12 minutes you can do two songs. I think we'll do three to five. This may be one of the greatest challenges ever for Bruce, right? No, so, no, to get this no. together into 12 minutes. Well, yeah. Because yeah. nobody's ever said, hey, Bruce, make Born to Run a minute 30. Well, like, that's never happened. Like you said, it's the last 12 minutes of a three-hour night. You want to just hit, hit the ground at 98 and go over 100 as soon as you can and stay there. But, you know, we're used to doing that. that to me, with him out front, it can't go wrong. It's always great to see you. Nils Lofgren, i got to let him go. Look, I can sit here, we can do four hours of, of grin talk. And Native Marylander, Native Marylander. Right? That's right, man. Grew up in D.C., big Redskins fan. But I've been in Arizona for 12 years and uh, pulling for the Cardinals all the way. Good seeing you, Nils. We'll step out, take a break. We're live on radio.